Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. Well, when it comes to packing a bag, would you consider yourself a minimalist or a maximalist when packing a bag for a trip? (laughs) Now, I really struggle with this. I am an overpacker. I am a chronic overpacker. When I go on a trip, I I pack clothes for every possible unforeseen need. What if the forecast is wrong and I need something warmer? I'd better take it. What if the forecast is wrong and I need something cooler? (laughs) I'd better take that too, right? Well, we're not planning on having a nice dinner, but what if we change our minds? I better take some nice clothes just in case. And I'm feeling fine now and I haven't been around anybody sick, but maybe I'd better take the entire medicine cabinet with me just in case. (laughs) And it's not just trips too. Get this. As I was writing this sermon, I started thinking about this. I got to find it in my pocket full of stuff. Anybody have one of these little things? It's a little uh, little pill container, right? Uh, And it has some Tylenol in it and a couple other things, you know, in case I get a headache. I don't really get headaches. Like maybe once or twice a year. And my office is like right there. I could just keep a Tylenol, but no, I harry this every day just in case, right? Now, I do my best writing in coffee shops, but what if I need one of my books? Well, I'd better take them all with me. I'm not proud of this, but I honestly strained a muscle when I went on a writing trip once and needed a little bit of physical therapy because of how heavy my book bag was. Yes, I have a problem. (laughs) But I read an article once about a guy who was touring Europe with only a backpack. He took two shirts with him and washed them in sinks as he went. I can't even wrap my mind around that. Okay, these are just physical things. But of course, what we're talking about today is forgiveness. What we're talking about today is a different kind of heavy load, one that most of us carry more of than we care to admit in our own hearts. What today's really about is that heavy load and our need to forgive. So what we're doing on a bigger scale here is reading the Gospel of Matthew uh, through Easter, from Christmas uh, to Easter. And there isn't time for every story along the way, of course, but we hit, we hit many of them anyway. And today, the first Sunday of Lent is when life really, start, really hits hard, and that is not an accident. You know, last Sunday was so nice. If you were here, we uh, read the story of the Transfiguration when Jesus took uh, three of his disciples up the mountain and they saw Jesus glow, uh, glow uh, white. His face was glowing. His clothes were bright white and they heard the voice of God and they saw Elijah there with him uh, and Moses. Uh, and it was amazing. It was just amazing. And what we, what we talked about last week was how that kind of glory is everywhere if we have eyes to see it. You know, uh, several times during the sermon I took a drop of water and I, and I hope that we all saw the miracle that is even just a single drop of water. Now, if I had been one of those disciples that Jesus took up the mountain, I would have come down from that mountain with a different attitude to life. You know, having heard the voice of God on the mountain, you come down the mountain and you see two people arguing about something petty. (laughs) And my first reaction would be, are you kidding me? God, (laughs) right? These things that we spend so much of our time caring about are nothing. 
You know, I think of how, the, uh, uh, how astronauts always come back to Earth with a renewed sense of how important and fragile caring for our planet is because they've had this different view of it. I think I would have come down from that mountain with a new view of how God's grace is so much bigger than any of the things that we worry about and carry around with us. But Jesus, being Jesus, knew full well how many people never get that, never have that view, never have that kind of an understanding. And even among those who do, life still happens. And so today, as the season of Lent hits us smack in the face, Jesus hits us with a scripture that also hits us upside the head about the reality of what life is actually like on the ground. And it starts with a question. So what do we do when someone hurts us? No more of this mountain talk, at least for now. We need that memory in our heart. But for now, let's get real. In fact, it's bigger than just what do we do when someone hurts us. The, the, the word that's used, that, that Jesus uses, is sin. What do we do when someone sins against us, an especially grievous hurt? And what Jesus gives is surprisingly clear and practical. In fact, he even numbers the steps. <laughs> Let me uh, read the, the, the first part of the scripture again for you so it'll be fresh in our minds. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and correct them when you are alone together. If they listen to you, then you've won over your brother or sister. But if they won't listen, take one or two others so that every word may be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Now, uh, if you read this actually in the Bible, that part is in italics and with a footnote. That's actually a quote from the Old, script, from the Old Testament. That's uh, even more ancient words that Jesus is pulling in, this idea of taking someone with you when you have an argument uh, so that it can be well established. That's something that, that any, any manager knows to do today too or any, any wise human being. He continues, but if they still won't pay attention, report it to the church. If they won't pay attention even to the church, then treat them as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. All right, so this needs unpacked a little bit. <laughs> Let's talk about these steps a little bit. The first one Jesus says is to go and talk to the person. One-on-one, -on -one, face to face, try to resolve it. Now, the opposite of this might be to go tell everybody you know how badly you've been hurt. Mitch, you're sitting right there and I'm gonna pick on you, okay? Mitch was really mean to me earlier and I'm gonna tell all of you about it, <laughs> right? That's the opposite, right? Going and spreading the word and talking bad about someone behind their back. Jesus says, don't do that. He was, he's always kind to me, by the way, just for the record. <laughs> but he says, go talk to them. Don't go, don't go spread around. Go talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, face to face. Don't try to resolve your difference by text message either. Don't try to resolve your difference by writing a really, really good in, and nasty email to them. Any of you do that? I've done it before. <laughs> no, find a time when you're alone together, assuming it's the kind of situation where it's safe to be alone with someone. And if it's simple, that avoids embarrassment and it avoids, it, it avoids, spreading the hurt, avoids spreading the hurt around by airing the dirty laundry. Okay, so that's step one. Step two then is, if that doesn't work, involve some trusted friends. Now, uh, the, what Jesus says exactly is take them with you, you know, to have that other person with you uh, for, that, for that conversation. I think I might expand it. I would suggest that we can faithfully expand that to uh, it confiding in a trusted friend too. You know, not pulling them into the argument, but sometimes we need to talk things through before we're ready to really talk to the person ourselves too. And so step two is involve a trusted friend. Now, step three 
is involving the wider community. Now, Matthew uses the word church, and I think we have to be a little careful with that because it almost comes off to the modern ear like spreading that, spreading that herd around, right, and trying to involve people who aren't really involved. But I don't think that's quite what Jesus means when you really get into it here. The point is, if the problem is big enough that it's able to make it through steps one and two without being resolved, then it's the kind of problem that affects the whole community. Uh, and if it affects the whole community, then the community needs to be involved in reconciliation. Now, this whole thing strikes me as not that different than our legal system, right? Some matters are settled out of court. Other things need a mediator, but some things go all the way to a jury trial when they need the whole community involved to find their resolution, right? Okay, so this is good. This is handy. This is good practical advice from Jesus. And then... And then what he says next is this. And if none of that works, treat them as you would a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, I don't know about you. When I first hear that, though, what my ears first hear is cast them out. They're just evil sinners. Enough with them. Goodbye. That's what I hear when I, because tax collectors were, were hated people. Those are the people who were working with the Roman government. The only way that they got paid was to collect more. And oftentimes they collected a lot more from people who were poor in the first place. They were not well liked, right? They were often uh, seen as sinners. Uh, and so uh, when I first hear that, what I, it's tempting to hear it as cast them out like all the other people, all the other evil people. But then I remember that Jesus spent most of his time ministering to the Gentiles and the tax collectors. Jesus spent most of his time trying to reconcile himself and going where the other people couldn't to talk to them. What I think it really means when Jesus says, if the first three steps don't work, treat them as you would a Gentile and a tax collector, I think what he really means is, if you make it through these steps and it still isn't resolved, then this problem is bigger than you, you've done all you can, and so cast it off. Jesus ministers to the tax collectors and to the Gentiles. So let him. Cast the burden off your own shoulders. Trust Jesus to reach this person down the road because there's nothing you're gonna be able to say or do that are gonna do it anyway if you've made it this far. Now that is so profound and yet so simple. You know, reconciliation is important and it's our responsibility to reconcile with those that we have a disagreement with. We are called to seek reconciliation even when every bone in our body wants to reject the offender. Reconciliation is so important that if it doesn't happen, then it becomes the responsibility of our friends. So important that if it doesn't happen then, it becomes the responsibility of the whole community. But sometimes there comes a point when all we can do is let it go. We can't control other people. We can only control ourselves. And if we've truly, honestly done all we can, and that's a big question, then all we can do is let it go and hope that God reaches them down the road as God always does. <laughs> that is profound. And I think that's the hardest part. I think that's harder than steps one, two, and three, that, that extra step of letting go of the hurt. 
When we're in a conflict, it pains us. You know, we so want to resolve the tension that we try to hang on to just a little bit of it. We try to hang on to just a little bit of the argument, just a little bit of the pain. You know, perhaps even in misplaced hope. And then that little bit that we hang on to festers. It turns into resentment in our soul and it hurts us on a deeper level. With truly big hurts, you know, something like a, a abuse or a major trauma, sometimes it can take a lifetime of therapy, professional therapy, just to let it go. As a pastor, I have seen a lot of conflict in the church over the years, but I, and I always try to hold on to it longer than I should, I will confess. But eventually, relationships can become so damaged that the only answer is to let it go and trust that God will meet both sides down the road. You know, there's a great spiritual writer that you may, uh, may have uh, encountered before named Henry Nowen. He coined a wonderful pair of terms. The first one is walking wounded. And it describes what happens to us when we carry around the burdens of sin's past. When we hang on to a little bit of that pain and let it fester in us. We are walking wounded. It weighs us down. It slows us down. Do you like the picture I chose this week? It makes our axles bend when we carry around that weight of the past. Sometimes it poisons our spirit. The walking wounded, us, when we carry around more than we should, causes us to lash out at others, spreading the hurt even further. And I think that is why Jesus says the second part of what we read today. Just a couple verses later, Peter, after hearing all this, says to Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Should I forgive them as many seven times? Should I forgive them as many as seven times? I like this, by the way. Peter probably said, oh, seven times. I'm being really generous with my forgiveness, you know, suggesting seven. I really get Jesus's point, <laughs> Peter's thinking. But Jesus says, no, not just seven times, but rather as many as 77 times. Now, don't make the mistake of thinking forgiveness uh, as letting someone off the hook. It's not that. They still have to live with what they did. The poison in their own soul is not affected by our forgiveness, and they're still accountable to God, if nothing else. It's also a mistake to think of forgiveness as somehow denying your own pain. It's not. The sin still happened. It still hurts. What forgiveness is, is letting go of the anger. It's saying, I'm not going to hold this pain, real as it is, in such a way that it weighs me down, that it poisons me further. And it means seeing the person who hurt you with understanding, with compassion, maybe even with pity. We pray that the offender gets help, even if we can't be the one that provides us. Forgiveness is saying that your resentment isn't going to cause even more pain than has already happened. Forgiveness is saying that we're giving the situation to God so that we can stand tall rather than being weighed down by it. Free of the past hurt, relieved of the burden it once placed on our shoulders. So what do you think, Jesus? Should we forgive as many as seven times? Nah, as many as 77. In other words, whenever you carry this kind of burden, give it to God 
and forgive. Now, of course, getting there doesn't happen easily. You know, there was a time I was deeply, deeply hurt by someone. I've shared this before, so some of you may remember it, but it's one of the most profound lessons of my life. There was a time I was deeply hurt with someone and I carried the baggage around for years. I knew I should forgive. You know, I read passages like this and knew the importance of forgiveness. And I even said the words to God in prayer, Lord, I forgive them. And then the next day found I was still carrying the baggage, found I was still carrying it around. No matter how much I tried to forgive, I just couldn't. I wasn't ready yet. I could not see that person with understanding yet. I couldn't move to that place of letting go. And in my case, I needed the help of a wise friend who helped me work through the issue. I had to acknowledge that just how badly I had been hurt. I had to admit how strong my emotions were. I had to admit that I was still carrying it around. And then he advised me to do something so simple, yet so profound. He said, stop praying, I forgive. And instead pray, God, help me be ready to forgive. It's backing up one step, right? Instead, instead of I forgive, it's help me be ready to forgive. Backing up one step. And you know what? It worked. When that became my prayer, God, help me be ready to forgive. I found I moved that direction. And in time, not even that long a time, I was finally able to let go. And now when I think about that person who hurt me, I'm honestly able to pray that they find the help that they need. Trusting God since the relationship is so damaged that it can't be me that helps them do it anymore. But I know that God will meet them down the road. Maybe God already has, I pray so. Now if the hurt you've experienced is greater still, I hope you'll find some professional help. You know, when we strain a muscle, like me carrying my big book bag around, right? Sometimes we need physical therapy. When we strain an emotional muscle, pointing to my heart, when we strain an emotional muscle, sometimes we need therapy for that too. So if yours is big enough, I hope you'll get it. But never doubt your ability to let go. Or better said, never doubt the ability of God's grace to help you be ready to let go. Now, do you remember earlier I mentioned Henry Nouwen and I said he coined two terms, but I only told you one of them? <laughs> now it's time for the second. The first term was this, walking wounded. You know, that's when we carry the hurt around with us and it weighs us down and we have a tendency to lash out towards others. Well, the second term is this, wounded healer. Our wounds never go away. We always carry them around with us. But there comes a time when we hold them differently. There comes a time when we're able to let go of the baggage and trust God to carry that for us. And when we do, when we find healing and let go of that resentment, God uses our experience to help others. We become ones that walk with our wounds that still carry them with us. But instead of weighing us down, we are able to help the others that we meet who've experienced woundedness too. We become people who share good news and hope, hope that God can lift all of our burdens. So whatever it is that you're carrying around this morning, whatever old hurt, whatever new hurt, whatever it may be that you're carrying around, give it to God. And if you're not ready yet, ask God to help you be ready. And may you become a wounded healer through forgiveness, 
one that knows God's grace and helps so well, one who knows God's grace so well that others come to know that kind of life through you. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me? Now, as we bow our heads, but before I start to pray, I I want to acknowledge that there's a good chance we're each thinking of something that's happened in our life as we talk about this, some bag that we still carry. I invite you to just hold it for a moment. Recognize how heavy it is. And know that God is standing there with you. Oh God, we each carry around so much from our past. Burdens that we've released and that help us stand tall and burdens that we still cling to in an unhealthy way. Oh God, help us to give those burdens to you. Help us to accept your offer to help carry them. And help us to stand tall once again. That indeed we may not only live our life to the fullest. But that others might know that grace through our own woundedness. We pray all of these in the one, in the name of the one who bears our burden and makes us whole. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.